addiction She is addicted to me She is the root connection And she is connecting with me Hello there! You are listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for Blue Jasmine. Uh, follow us on at QT3, like us on Facebook, rate us on iTunes, uh, and if you listen, you know that I am Tom Chick, and I am here as every week with Christian Malarski. Well, my my parents named me after my favorite flower. <laughs> And with our blue jasmine tagline, Kelly Wand. Uh, an unserious woman. <laughs> Kelly Wand, that's a pretty serious tagline. All right, I got a funny one. She's not really blue, it's okay. just her emotions. That's <laughs> pretty funny. The metaphor, huh? Kelly Wand. <laughs> Ruin Wand. Oh, uh, uh, jasmine? Okay, before- yes. Yeah, well, before we talk Blue Jasmine, uh, just a couple of public service announcements. Uh, I, I saw We Are the Millers. Huh. What do you think of that, Kelly Wand? It's yeah, quite Kelly a public. Ha- Kelly Wand, having seen the trailer for We Are the Millers, do you have any questions for me about the actual movie? Do I, should I see it? Is it good? Is it funny? Oh, please. Is that a question? I mean, do you really? No, it's, it's awful. It's terrible. But is there anything? <laughs> you were there- so excited. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned it so many times ago. No. What is he expecting that movie? No, 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 no. I was not excited. Like, oh, it's going to be good. I'm excited because I am. I'm utterly fascinated with Jennifer Aniston's inability to get any sort of meaningful chemistry going with with a co-star in a movie. I think the only decent movie she's done is The Good Girl, where she's kind of isolated. Her character is isolated by nature. But anytime she's in a movie where they're trying to pair her with someone or get her sort of riffing with someone or doing some of that, I don't know, Friends magic or whatever. It, it falls fascinatingly flat, and that's absolutely the case with poor Jason Sudik, Sudik, Sudoku? What? Sudeikis? I, I think it's it Charlie Day. I could be wrong. <laughs> is it Sudeikis? Am I screwing yes. his name? I don't – It's okay. Sudeikis. Yeah, who's a really likable guy, and he's awful in this as well. But there's no chemistry between them, and it's just it, – it's amazing to watch that all these resources going in to make a movie, and your two leads might as well be doing something different uh, from each other. Um, but Kelly Wand – You've seen the trailer. I saw the trailer. Even Dingus has seen the trailer. Isn't there a scene that you're maybe wondering about, Kelly Wand, and wondering if maybe it helps redeem the movie? Uh, she's a stripper. How much of her do we get to see? There, oh, that wouldn't have occurred to me, but since you asked, Kelly Wand. So, <laughs> For me, I was thinking of the literal oh, scene. Yeah, yeah. Yes, whatever. <laughs> the drug humor is my cup of tea, Wand. <laughs> well, it's definitely... boobs. It, it's clearly an R-rated comedy from the get-go, but mm-hmm. that, that stripping scene where she has to prove that she's not actually a house mom, but she is, in fact, a, a trashy stripper, that stripping scene is has the potential to be incredibly awesome because... Jennifer Aniston is pretty hot, and she's in great shape, uh, but that stripping scene only works if you like really quick cuts of Jennifer Aniston interspersed with long takes of Jason Sudeikis and the other supporting cast watching. <laughs> There's another, there was another thing not in the only, trailer. Wait, wait, the, not only that, Kelly Wan, hold on. Not only that, but you also have to be willing to stomach a take to the camera and a raised eyebrow from Jason Sudeikis. No, like, yeah, let's give, what? give yep. to that. He, he does a take to the camera during the strip scene and raises his eyebrow and hey, they put that? it. They, they put it in the movie. They left it in there. Does Wait, he go, 
<laughs> she's crazy or she... no it's like 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 this audience isn't she hot so instead of watching her we get to watch jason sudeikis liter- yes. almost literally nudge nudge the audience yep it's that kind of movie hmm he's yeah. carrying her water well in the trailer the part where the son does like a rap in the trailer and then they all look at they all do the exact same thing they all look right. at each other and us like Whoa. So actually, the surprise of the movie is that the kid, I meant to look up his name. The kid who plays the son is really good. Uh, and it's, uh, he's the only one really who's, re- who's really good. Uh, I expected him to be good, but I expected to hate him when he was doing that rap. Um, no, it kind of works. I mean, they, they totally play him being, uh, socially awkward and out of touch, and the actor is just really running with it. And he's good, and he's solid, and any sort of heart the movie has, and it tries way too early, way too eagerly to get heartfelt, uh, anytime it even remotely works is, is with that kid. Heartfelt's always a bad idea. Especially in a raunchy R-rated comic, isn't it? Yeah. About strippers and weed. The thing about her, I, I, I think she's a, she looks fine, but she's not sexy. She's just oh, certainly a picture as a stripper. Like, I, don't find, I would still find her sexy. It's like looking at I don't know a two dimensional image or something. I don't know what it is. I mean, I really loved her in that dentist role, but even watching the trailer of her doing the the stripper scene where she has to go up on that balcony in that warehouse and dance around, I just got this feeling of like, is this a robot? I don't know. There's, there's, there's a line in the movie where someone is commenting on her demeanor, and they say something like, oh, that kind of mean, cold, sexy works for me. And that's the angle I think they're going for. And that, I, can I wonder, you're with me on this, right? Jennifer Aniston's sexy, yeah? Um, she's beautiful. It's uh, funny that I mentioned robot, and then roboting started to happen. I hit that? Is that your question? Or has she ever made a good movie? She's certainly the sexiest friend. Yeah, by far. She's the only sexy friend. At least well, it could be yeah. fun to hang out with. And right. Kelly accidentally get. Right. I'm with you there, Kelly Wand. She's kind of the Joey on the girl side. I don't know what that means, but I think I Ross, I mean. Still don't know. Still don't know what that means. Sorry. <laughs> uh, TV. What do I know about TV? I can't. Uh, yeah. Um, All right, so that's where the Millers. Kelly, one, didn't you see something this week that you wanted, or you saw part of something that you wanted to mention? Oh, I saw part of Pitch Perfect, and I saw part of Girl with Dragon Tattoo. (laughs) None of us here cares about it. Actually, Dingus Dingus described me a couple of moments from the David Fincher Girl with Dragon Dragon Tattoo that made me kind of want to see. I hadn't read the book or seen the finished one. Or whatever the other one is. I think it's Swedish. Uh, no, never racist. <laughs> uh, but I want to hear about why you only saw part of Pitch Perfect. There have been a few times because I own Pitch Perfect. There have been a few times where I where I put, shut up. It is you, Tom. That's true. There have been a few times where I've put it on to just like want to watch a little of it, and I just can't tear myself away from it. So how on earth, Kelly Wand, could you only watch a little bit of Pitch Perfect? Uh, maybe it was just the mood I was in, but it was the part where she goes to the school and she thinks everything's lame and she hates class. And I was already feeling pervy just watching the movie at all because everyone's like 16 in it and you're watching it over and over by yourself, Tom. <laughs> but not because everyone's 16. I like to think because it's Nobody's a good 16. Movie. They're going to college. Who goes to college at 16? I don't think some of us think it's. Oh, well, the smarter people. I yeah, I went at 25. Stuff. But I do, I do. I'm with Kelly Wan, and I think it's kind of there's something a little pervy about 
watching it with with every watching it as like a lurid movie, which I I certainly wasn't. Kelly Wand, you know, knock yourself out. Okay, wait, okay. So here's what I watched. So then she's all. uh, Then she goes into a shower and I go, oh, I'm an Anna Kendrick singing or a shower scene that scene is kind of hot with britney snow comes in and now you're making me feel perfect and then there's a guy that she was having sex with in the other shower but it's all lit not it's not lit like a porno (laughs) (laughs) cutting away and it's like why are you putting me through this you didn't even have to have her in the shower but it's supposed to be funny never mind it's just frustrating because i would see what britney snow sees it should be a found footage movie Uh, are you giving up on it then? Are you not going to watch the rest of it? Well, after I go, all right. So that was the shower scene. There's not going to be more than one. And then, I mean, there, she's not going to get naked or later. Right? I will say though, and I don't know if you remember this, Dingus. And again, I, I apologize if we have any uh, listeners who don't want to hear us being talking about pervy stuff. But the perviest I felt in Pitch Perfect, the, the perviest I felt was um, during this amazing awesome uh my jaw is on the floor scene where she does her musical audition i vividly recall her cleavage in that scene <laughs> like because there's there's some really nice cleavage going on i mean i i admire anna kendrick Indeed. i respect her a lot but I, there's something very sexy about the way but, she does that musical audition with the cleavage showing so there you well, go that doesn't have to be an either or that's my whole point you could admire her acting style and her cleavage well, you know what then kelly one maybe you should stick with it until that scene comes up Stick with the cleavage. Stick with Pitch Perfect. Oh. But it's it's not, it's not lit like a porno in that scene either. So that's yeah, that that right. might throw it's you. Like, that might throw you, Kelly Wand. In American Pie, there's like the boring Chris Klein plot where he just like learns to sing in a class, and then this movie is just like that, except with hot girls. Which should be but, but his cleavage in that is wait. <laughs> I know, and Tom had the same reaction. Kelly Wand, you talk to us when you've actually seen Pitch Perfect, because right now that is not the case. <sighs> Diggis, didn't you watch something you wanted to tell me about, or is that coming up later in the podcast? That'll be later. All right. Well, then let's get to what we did watch this week, uh, besides Greer the Millers and Pitch Perfect. Diggis, what what did we watch this week? Well, this week we saw Blue Jasmine. Mm. Did we even talk about the fact that we didn't see something else? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. You, <laughs> might, right. you might be tuning in, hoping to hear us talk about a really limited release that was playing in one theater in Los Angeles called Ain't Them Bodies Saints. Uh, we, for various reasons, partly involving distance and, no joke, freeway work here in Los Angeles, uh, we did not see that. So I tweeted it. If you follow us on Twitter, at, at QT3, the letter Q, the letter T, the number three, you would know that we called an audible and saw instead what Dingus just mentioned. So uh, Dingus, carry on. Uh, yeah, this week we saw Blue Jasmine, since the other movie was playing in literally three movie theaters in this country and the world. Well, they t- yeah, think. two of which were on the wrong coast. By the way. Right. One was a block from Tom, but we were tired. <laughs> one was a block from Tom, but it would have taken five hours to get there because that block was closed. So this is Blue Jasmine, a 2013 American drama movie hmm. about a rich woman who has to get a job in a shoe store. It what? Was, what? Shoe so store. Yeah, that's right. That's what I said. Okay. All right. It was written and directed by Woody Allen. <sighs> oh, no. That's a trigger. <laughs> that's a Prometheus moment. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> he was waiting for that. <laughs> and it stars Kate Blanchett, Andrew Dice Clay, 
Peter Sarsgaard, Sally Hawkins, Louis C.K., and Max Casella. Blue Jasmine is rated PG-13 for mature thematic material, language, and sexual content. <laughs> you okay with that, Kelly Wand? Uh, I've heard all those before. I was waiting for the one weird one that I always assume actually is real. Oh, also thema- thematic elements. I've heard that one. But I agree. <laughs> Wait, what was this rated? I wasn't listening to that part. Okay. PG-13. Every movie. PG-13. Yep. So, uh, let's see. Um, if I can find it here. Blue Jasmine on Metacritic has a 70... No, a 6... How do you... Control F Blue Jasmine Listen. has a 77 on Metacritic. Wait, what on, is it? I stopped listening. Oh, uh, on Metacritic, which is the average rating uh, from various reviews, Blue, ja- Blue Jasmine <laughs> is funny. at 77. On huh. Rotten Tomatoes, which is, oh, this is interesting, which is the percentage of reviews that are positive, Blue Jasmine Oh, I want it to be 77, 88. As for its its box office take, uh, who cares? It's a Woody Allen movie. It didn't make any money. Huh. Didn't need to. Uh, Sorry, yeah. Instead, uh, and as you can tell, I forgot to look this up before. I think the number one movie this weekend was The Butler. Isn't that correct? No. What is that? Lee Daniels, the butler, where Forrest Whitaker plays the butler to various presidents. Oh, Jesus. Oh, jeez, and then We're the Millers was number two. Nice work, We're the Millers. Wait, the butler was the number one movie? Yes. <laughs> by far, by far. What? Yep. So what happened to Kick-Ass? Oh, Kick-Ass yeah. is number... Did that open this weekend? That's yeah, you, we could have had to see. Holy cats, it's number it's four. Right. It's number four. It made less than Elysium. See the Wait top, a minute. I thought it made 15 Everybody's taking Jim Carrey's advice. Uh, You did. You said Jim Carrey. You invoked Jim Carrey as to why we're not seeing it. He says it's too violent. Yeah. So Kelly, one, you could have seen it. There's nothing stopping you from seeing. uh, Uh, Oh yeah. Wait. I saw saw another movie. I won't mention it yet. Okay. Well, then instead, Kelly, one, why don't you? Now that folks know, we're going to talk about Blue Jasmine. There are now going to be spoilers on this podcast about Blue Jasmine. And specifically, Kelly Wand is about to give us a synopsis of all the events in Blue Jasmine. (laughs) Kelly Wand, if you were to write this up and put a title at the top of it, what would that title be? What do you think it would be? What's your guess? The Blue Jasmopsis. No. (laughs) Blue Jesus? No one tries anymore. That's what's wrong with America. Blue Jazz Mipsis. Blue Jazz Mipsis. Kelly Wand, the Blue Jazz Mipsis, I want you to drive it like you stole it. He's your very good friend. Shit people would have said in Blue Jasmine if it had been an Opsis. Man, here we are on a plane. You know, when I married a handsome rich swindler, I thought at least his dick would be trustworthy. Oh, lady. Uh, I prefer the earlier, funnier ones. Oh, you don't know what a relief it is not to be prattling on about my empty life to old ladies and coach. Summering the Hamptons, but Alec Baldwin, if you know what I'm saying. I guess for your generation, it was Bob Hope. Ew, huh? Uh, oh, don't worry, there's more acting coming. <clears throat> hey, Kate Blanchett, I wanted to move in with your sister, but your luggage is taking up my whole half of the bed, so now she's fucking it. What if she trades even further up, like a paunchy middle-aged sound designer? 
You smell like motor oil and testosterone, not hair wax and Botox. Get away from me and my sister, whatever our last name is. Listen, whatever Kate Blanchett's sister's name is, I loves yous, duh. Chewy, please, this is about family, which is why I divorced the father and my children for giving all his money like I told him to to a slime bag husband I knew was having affairs. <laughs> what? <laughs> do you like that accent, Dingus? I really do. I think it's perfect. I'm from New York. That's how I do that so easily. At least I know you're honest because you're an auto mechanic. So get lost and take my 80s wall phone with you, you mook. Hey, yo, I'm in a Woody Allen movie. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you could tell them apart. That's flattering. Will you two genetically undesirable nephews stop shooting me with your toy gun? I need silence to swallow pills with vodka while I learn this Fortran for my new career decorating internal monologues. Toy gun? Our mom says you weren't psychic in Indiana Jones at all. <laughs> and that you seen in The Hobbit felt shoehorned in arbitrarily. <laughs> I'm the other kid, by the way. <laughs> Case Kelly's acting wasn't enough of a tell. Hey, yo, I won the lottery. Oh. <laughs> now I quit my job getting fired into cannons and finally start my own business being a private investigator of white collar crimes and shit. Oh. That was his act, wasn't it? <laughs> Flashback sister-in-law, it's me, Alec Baldwin. What if I told you you could risk ten times as much and make absolutely nothing down just by placing tiny little ads in pork belly molecules and flushing them down the toilet, along with these diamonds we used to plate our toilet paper with when we go camping in Dubai? Oh, look, Andrew, they sparkle like zirconias. Do everything Alec says without looking into it. He's been an asshole to us all week. Why did we come out here again? Did we just invite ourselves? The travel agent wasn't listening. Uh, oh, God. I mean, I will continue. I Kate Blanchett's character. I'm a serious dentist. You've been working for me for months. Wait, I fucked that up. Let me do it. I <laughs> Kate Blanchett's character. I'm a serious dentist. You've been working for me for months. I guess this is bad. I mean, listen, I've been wearing louder neckties. JK, they're even earth tonier. But seriously, this time, listen, I need you to stop trying to understand software while on the clock. It's affected your ability to watch old people change their minds while they thumb around on iPhones. Also, I normally leave the rubber glove on for this part, but here's my dick. And here's how I floss it. Oh, my God, men suck. Speaking of which blonde character we've never seen before, know any men? Hey, my name's Louis C.K. I make noises all day in a studio in Hollywood. Also, I work in the film industry. (sighs) I mean, I'm Mrs. Blanchett. I'm Peter Sarsgaard's character. I couldn't help but notice you take a lot of pills and look exactly like that chick who was in the news last year for turning in her husband to the feds for making condos and quicksand out of (laughs) lockdowns. I guess I don't know the Blanchick's character well enough to know your background, and despite my job at the State Department, when it comes to you saying stuff, I'll swallow anything. Hmm. Sounds like we have something besides widowhood in common. That was Kate Blanchett. <laughs> Sidebar. Cool crossover idea for Transformers prequel. 
Sylvester Stallone is the voice of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang versus Mr. T is Christine. Andrew Dice Clay. Oh. Ruined my life stream of owning my own lottery winning business. Now I gotta move to Alaska and make pipes out of snowmen. Oh. Good news, kids. Your dad's moving to Alaska and Chewie's moving in here with me. So both the Azam scray. But mom, my brother, whatever my name is, promised Stinky we'd gonna go see that new cautionary tale about greed and philandering by the guy who beat Star Wars with those lobsters. <laughs> well, here I am on a park bench, boring pedestrians instead of old ladies. I guess I can't believe I've sunk so low. Oh well, at least I have my health. Let's see, and then she gets rained on. <laughs> Which isn't really a health issue, but I mean, in the end, you're welcome. That was in. a rain sound effect. Yeah. What do you I think? Thought it was a toilet flushing. What? No, that would make any sense. What would <laughs> that have to do with her health? It's yeah, come on, Dingus. Dingus, She's you're obviously not getting rid of her pills. It's not that kind of movie, Dingus. Tom, thoughts? <laughs> well, Kelly Wand, what kind of movie is it? What did Dingus say? He told us it was a drama movie. I normally like Woody Allen's disintegrating relationship movies, mm-hmm. but I think the really good ones, Husbands and Wives, this one, I thought it was, it's not boring, and it's not bad, and it's got really good acting by Kate Blanchett, I thought, but it's not as epic as the good ones. I think it's just, I don't know, maybe my aversion to movies where justice is done or something. I don't know. Dingus Hero Woody Allen apologist, constantly quoting him. Uh, constantly? Oh, yeah, constantly. He talks, he talks, he's doing it. So, yeah, Dingus today was uh, treating some folks here at the house to his impression of uh, Woody Allen's battleship. What? Yeah. Dingus, how would that go? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> he was talking about how he was at a Little League game or some soccer game, whatever, and the dad's... Uh, Start talking about one of them like Woody Allen, and they started making jokes about what if Woody Allen had directed Battleship, and Dingus did impressions of Woody Allen lines from Battleship, uh, which I guess now he's too timid to do. Uh, but anyway, whether or not, wait, <laughs> Dingus is totally our, our resident Woody Allen apologist. I uh, he remembers lines from Battleship too, apparently, which is impressive. No, it was it was terrible things like you know, oh, here comes the aliens. <laughs> that probably was a line in it, though. <laughs> yeah, that but Dingus, as our resident Woody Allen apologist, I think you guys can imagine how I'm feel about. Well, you'll you'll see. Uh, as our resident Woody <laughs> Allen apologist, uh, what kind of movie is this? Uh, it's a movie without a Woody Allen stand-in character. So how about that? No, the we- dentist. <laughs> no, stop. Oh, you know, Alex Baldwin has been imported from a, a serious man. <laughs> um, but it, it, we were told, Dingus, and I found this encouraging by a mutual friend of ours that this did not feel like a Woody Allen movie. Um, and I, what's I, that mean? That uh, the way he, our friend put it is, you could watch this and not realize you're watching a Woody Allen movie. I it's, think I agree. No, I totally disagree. Actually. In a good way or a bad way? In a bad way, because I, mainly because I think the music choices are so horrible. Uh, and Woody Allen is <laughs> supposed to have such a great music sensibility. Um, 
And I hated the music in this so much that it it distracted me from the whole movie. Um, it, there's, a, there's a lot of things that are problematic with it, it I, but I think that what our friend might have been talking about is that there's no, you know, Owen Wilson pretending to be Woody Allen or Kenneth Branagh pretending to be Woody Allen. There's none of that. Um, I, I think that Kelly's right. There's plenty to recommend it as far as Kate Blanchett's uh, acting. There's 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 a lot. There's a ton of good acting in it. But those other choices just drive me nuts. I, it feels like, you know, as far as our friend was concerned, it feels like a, a movie with one foot in the Woody Allen world and one foot out. I could sort of understand what – I'm not sure I would say – I would describe it that way, Dingus. The way I would describe it um, – A lesser Allen? Well, no. I think it's very Woody Allen in that it strikes me as ineptly directed. What? Uh, Absolutely. I think he's a horrible director. I think he works fast and it compromises the material. Uh, I, I don't think there's much thought put into the shots. I think a lot of the decisions he makes um, partly compromise a truly amazing performance. For the most part, I loved it. I loved the cast. I really like his script. Uh, and I, I I treasure what Kate Blanchett was doing in this movie. But as a director, the editing is awful. Um, there are weird bits that I don't feel need to be in the movie, and I don't understand why they're in there. Uh, Peter Sarsgaard needs a freaking haircut if he's going to play that part. Uh, and like Dingus said, the only reason this movie has a jazz soundtrack is because Woody Allen lacks jazz. It has no statement on the inner life of the characters. It, it seems a little forced that he has her reminisce a couple times that she remembers Blue Moon was playing. Ugh. But then we get various jazz quartet bits. I don't know what that stuff is. There's some, I think there's some Billie Holiday. It has nothing to do with the inner life of the characters or the action or certainly not the setting. Um, it's just there because Woody Allen likes it. So as much as I admire the cast he's assembled, specifically the lead performance, and as much as I feel like it's a mostly really good script, I really do think he's a bad director. I, you know what? I won't say make a blanket statement. I really, I really do feel that this movie is not very well directed. I'll put it that way. You know what? I feel like the scenes feel barely directed. I mean, that that was my problem. I mean, there there are a couple of scenes that I think are fantastic, and then a couple of scenes I feel like he just doesn't bother with. And I think Tom, you, I think you make a good point about he just works so fast, and he's used to working like that, uh, and letting his actors do what they're going to do and not mess with them too much. But there's too much of it that feels, for me, barely directed. And then, then he sort of slaps on his his opening credits and his end credits thing, and and that music that has nothing to do with this movie. I mean, that last scene when she's on the bench, when she mentions that stupid song yet again, which I guess is why we have to have the name of this movie be Blue Jasmine. Um, there should be no music until she starts talking and until she starts hearing that song. We shouldn't hear all that other crap, that crappy jazz music just sort of leading into suddenly her hearing that there should be nothing. There should be silence until, and, and he does that all the time. And I love him. I love so much of his stuff, but it just feels like, and I don't think this is anything new, by the way, I, I feel my own, my own personal feeling about Woody Allen. I think crimes and misdemeanors is his best movie. And even in crimes and misdemeanors, there are scenes and I vividly remember this. There's a scene with uh, Martin Landau in Angelica Houston's apartment, 
and it's a really powerful scene, but she'll walk behind a counter and the camera doesn't catch her face. I mean, you want to see when she's talking and he just hasn't bothered to stage or block it efficiently or work with his DP to make sure that what the actors are doing gets captured. So Angelica Houston's like behind a cabinet for part of the scene. And that constantly happens here. There are scenes where it's really his job as a director to let us see important moments and to let us see director uh, actors faces and he just doesn't do that work. There will be a great, there's a great moment where Sally Hawkins is talking to Andrew Dice Clay, and I want to freaking see her face, but nope, she's got her back to the camera, or she's even out of the frame. Uh, and I, for all the amazing work he does capturing performances and, and assembling this cast, he kind of lets them down with the way he shoots the movie, I feel. Mm. John Cassavetes doesn't care where he puts the camera, so you don't like those movies either. I don't, I don't, John Cassavetes though, his whole process is just really organic, it's very theatrical, because that is a good point, Kelly Wan, in that one of the things I do like about the way Woody Allen shoots is they are long takes with just the two actors, and I do appreciate that, but if you're going to do that, make sure we set something up, if you're going to be so actor-centric, uh, then honor what they're doing some more. And let me give you another couple examples where these are things that John Cassavetes would not do. He cuts out of scenes way too quickly. And I don't know if it's a matter of feeling like he needs the movie to be short or worrying about attention spans or, or pacing. I have no idea what's going on. But there were two moments where I, I felt like a director, an actor-centric director like Cassavetes would not have gotten out of the scene quickly. And, and when the scene ended, I was like clenching my fist going, what the fuck? I, I wanted to watch that. It's like somebody changing the channel. One of them is right after Kate Blanchett gets off the phone with Peter Sarsgaard after he's called. And this, this tension starts flooding out of her body. She's just hung up the phone and she starts weeping. And he just cuts right as soon as that happens. You could have held that moment. It's a really powerful moment. You know, she's crying because he's finally called. And I loved that moment. And he cut off right in the middle of it. And it was the same thing when Sally Hawkins is, gets off the phone with Louis C.K. She claps the cell phone shut after realizing that he's married. And Woody Allen just leaves the scene. He cuts us right out of that. These actresses are doing tremendous stuff with their faces. Leave us there for a little while. Uh, and he'll even cut scenes, and sometimes this works, but he'll cut scenes like right out of the um, middle of a conversation without finding like a good writerly beat or a transition. Uh, even the whole back and forth with the flashbacks, like there was no method or there was nothing. There's one moment where uh, Sally Hawkins says something about the fragrance being French, and that leads into Kate uh, Blanchett remembering that she found out Alec Baldwin was having the affair with the French au pair. None, it felt to me like none of the other flashbacks were triggered by anything other than Woody Allen thinking, okay, I'll drop this here. Um, mm. So, I, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I don't mean to get on a rant because I, I liked the movie and I really appreciated what he got us, but I feel it was just poorly directed. Both your examples were you wanted to see a woman holding the phone longer. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the thing is, they're, they're moments, they're natural moments where a conversation ends abruptly. You know, you don't, it's one of the luxuries that, that telephones afford drama. You know, a, a conversation ends, and it's not like anybody has left or the scene or come into the scene, but uh, anyway, yeah. Sometimes Cat. Cat's doing tremendous work. Uh, what you said was funny, Kelly, but. but the thing about what Tom said, why it's so good is that I don't even remember the end of the 
the Sally Hawkins telephone scene. And that's well, there isn't. There isn't. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't let us see her reaction. And both of the actresses are so good at, at reaction and interplaying with people. And uh, yeah, we don't even get it. The phone clip claps shut, and and we're, and we're gone. It's off onto the next scene. Um, mm. Well, I didn't even. I mean, are these people even supposed to be real people? Yeah, like in Woody Allen movies. <laughs> I mean, one of, the, one of the things I like is is how he builds the world. I mean, I, I there's a lot I really really liked about this movie. I find it really d- difficult to watch, um, but I really there's a lot I really liked about it. And there's a moment early on in the movie when I think they're throwing some sort of dinner party, and I'm just like, oh, we're gonna have to watch this whole <laughs> New York upper class movie. Right, <laughs> might have to sit through this, and then we get to the point where. Um, where Kate Blanchett is walking through San Francisco with uh, with Ed, with Eddie and and Chili and uh, Sally Hawk and and uh, what's her name uh, Ginger and I just thought oh now she's just been planted down here and she can't figure out what she's going to do with her life and she's drunk walking through San Francisco with these people and she. Uh, I just suddenly felt like, oh, no, I've been pushed out of that movie. I was afraid I was going to be in. And I really liked that moment. I liked that feeling. You know, I loved the, the the feel of San Francisco. I loved the feel of Sally Hawkins' apartment. I hated her two kids. I thought they were terrible. But Oh, my God. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but I kind of liked where the movie was going to go. Uh, I, like I thought all the actors were great. Most of the actors were great. I just thought that. They're poorly directed in a lot of scenes. Like, for instance, um, well, let me let me just ask this: How do you guys feel about Andrew Dice Clay? I loved seeing him. I loved him showing up. Uh, he seemed convincing in his role. I quite I quite liked him in this. It made but me it's, want a to thank, see more it's a thankless role. Like, why do they divorce? Like, she's dating kind of the same kind of dude. Well, I, I want to know what Dings is getting at in a minute, but I I don't know that I would call it thankless as uh, I. It, it's appropriately ancillary, maybe. I don't. I don't know. Like he, he got to shine in a couple of scenes, and he basically drove the scenes. He kind of sure rolled into them like a bull in a china shop. Appropriately, he does. So. Win. He beats her. He beats Kate Blanchett's character. So in a way, it's his. The story is his triumph. Although it's uh, not so well, my my problem with it is, yeah, the the movie. It's so many of the situations are contrived, right. and they rely on people running to each other or oh, seeing that's... each other in a big city. And I I didn't care for that. But so I I quite liked that aside. I quite liked the way that Andrew Dice Clay was used, and I quite liked what he was doing. You know, I like seeing him kind of older and paunchy. Uh, yeah, I uh, liked him until the last scene, and then when he goes, some people don't get over things so quickly. It's like, wait, you're you just saw that, and you felt I don't know. Well, so Dingus, what, why were you why were why were you asking? What what is that? Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I was really set to hate him. Uh, I had heard him on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he was just doing his shtick. And I remembered how much how tiresome I find him. You know, he's the you know he's the reason I can't stand many stand up comics. Um, he just, I just couldn't stand him. And I was, and, and, and I'd heard sort of whisperings about how he was good in this and I didn't want to care for him. But that first scene where he's, where they're doing the kid handoff and they're having that talk outside his sad apartment. I loved him. I I thought he was amazing. He's not in it much. He's not a, maybe even enough. Like him and Alec Baldwin could have some good scenes together. No, he's just, he's real. 
and he does a great job in that scene. Uh, he does a great job when they go to the when they first go into the apartment in New York. And then the last scene, he's terrible, but that's Woody Allen's fault because that scene is that last scene is horribly directed. I mean, it feels like it really does feel like. And and Tom, you said a, a minute ago how um, one of the things you like is that Woody Allen lets lets kind of scenes go on, and you can't really see you, you see. The, both actors in the scene. That last scene feels like they could have done that with his character last March and the others like two days ago. Uh, he's talking to a wall or something, and that's not his fault. Um, but overall, I thought he was great. But that he's an example, just watching sort of as a test case. His first scene and his last scene is a test case of how Tom, talking about Woody Allen being a terrible director is true for this movie. I don't think that's true over the course of Woody Allen's career, but in this, oh my God, just watching those first and last scenes for Andrew Dice Clay, I felt terrible for the guy. There you go, Kelly Wand. Uh. <laughs> uh, well, let, let's talk about then, uh, uh, I guess let's go straight to Kate Blanchett. I mean, I, that, I, that right there, I'm just, I'm so glad I saw this. She's oh my God. so amazing to work. Thing is, you and I have a friend, uh, I'll say this, he actually reviews movies for the LA Times from time to time. Uh, and he's got some weird thing where he hates Kate Blanchett and he feels like she's a bad actress. What? And I think he might have even said something like he had an acting class with her once, but I can't imagine her taking acting classes. What? Or maybe he, he knew her once. I don't remember what. He had some personal connection and he's convinced she's a terrible actress and she's awful and everything. And I, I just feel like he's from the moon or something when he says that. And I, that's how <laughs> people say Like, I was in the same class she was and she made it and I'm pissing about it. It's that's what I wondered about. But I... She's she's constantly amazing to me, and I even forgot Kelly wanted to. You reminded me that she was in that Indiana Jones thing. Like I put some of that out yeah, of my no, head. It's not her um, fault. Yeah, get on her. But God, I just love what she does, and I love. How and this she, is one of her best roles, even I would say that I've ever seen her on. Hmm? But go on. Okay. No. Yeah. No. I, yeah. Why? Uh, better Kelly Wand than as Galadriel. <laughs> uh, similar <laughs> character. Uh, I just love the little things she does with her face. Uh, she's such a just the way she'll do little moments and small touches. Yeah. And at one point, I think she, is it Peter Sarsgaard? She just like touches his jacket, but her yeah. instincts are right on. And even at one point, she has her. And I think as an actor, I watch I, as a fort. Like I used to do some theater stuff, and so I, I kind of love watching actors work in a different way. But at one point, she has her, her hand on Alec Baldwin's bare leg when he's got shorts on, and just watching her fingers move. I mean, she's stroking his leg. There's, yeah. She's just so completely thorough. Uh, yeah. And I, I love watching her, and I love that, he, that she got to do this part. And it is so incredibly uncomfortable watching her fall apart. And, and it is also so incredibly brave of her to do that last scene looking as wretched, and I guess there's no makeup. Like I, I guess that's a matter of just when an actress of her age just has no makeup on. But just how amazing she is in that scene, it made me think of like Ellen Burstyn in Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. There is no vanity. No glamour. Right. Yeah, no glamour, no vanity, and it's just amazing when an actress can do that, especially an actress who you traditionally think of as incredibly beautiful, like Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Well, and, you, and you've spent the whole movie going, I can't stand this character. I hope she fucking gets hit by a bus. And in the last scene, you, you actually do feel <laughs> sorry for her. 
she seems that far down, like she's never going to come back. And that's acting, damn it. Well, as a contrast to what I was just uh, prattling on about with Andrew Dice Clay, in that scene where she's at the restaurant with the two little boys and having to tell them Ugh. and just having that's to... That's another thing that ended too early. What was their reaction to her <laughs> log thing? I'm actually they don't have a reaction because yeah, they're exactly. not capable of it. <laughs> just, one's capable of looking fat and the other one's capable of looking slightly less fat. I mean, that's what they're capable of. Well, now, Dingus, to be fair, the non-fat one did, is capable <laughs> of glancing at his fat friend. That well, that's a good point. His, his, oh. his other acting accomplishment is it's to fun. glance sideways. Yeah. He's really, but only the other kid's fat. <laughs> well, but, but at least she makes something of that scene, and poor Andrew Dice Clay can't make something of the last scene because he's alone in it. And Woody Allen doesn't bother to put her in a scene with two good actors. Who knows who these kids are? I have no idea why they got cast or why they're there. They, they bring nothing to this movie. I hate, uh, you know, I feel terrible right now. I hate criticizing child actors, but they're terrible. They bring nothing to it. They look vacant, and I, there's no way I believe they're, they're the children of Sally Hawkins. Um, they have nothing. Originally. And so, Kate Blanchett has to have this scene with them, and she she pulls it off as well as she can, whereas I don't think Andrew Dice Clay can at the end when he's not being directed. When she's not being directed, she can. Um, that's just sort of a little moment where she – but everything she does in this movie, I'm totally taken with her. Yeah, I didn't like the other kid, too, Kate Blanchett's kid who worked in the record store. No, I liked him. Scenes. Really? I, yeah, I liked that scene. Mm, I didn't like that character because he's only in those two scenes, and I thought – I think it was maybe just I wanted their marriage to have no kids, maybe. I think it was better for the block. Well, isn't he just a, a stepson? Yeah, but I didn't want Kate Blanchett. I don't know. That seemed like the cliche arc. Like, oh, he works. Oh, and now I know he works there. Oh, he doesn't want to see me ever again. Like, what's, she's already bent. How, how do we feel about guys who uh, we normally like uh, with weird little B-plots in the movie like Michael Stuhlbarg and Louis C.K.? Mm. I mean, is is the is this supposed to be funny, or is it supposed to be pathetic, or is it supposed to be she deserves uh, this, or is it supposed to be? Yeah, my audience laughed at at some of the Michael Stuhlbarg. The best, the old lady goes, "Oh yeah, I can't go that because it's my proctology free thing. It's always very special," which is a funny yeah. line. But I would an old lady really say that? Well, the, you know, you're kind of touching on something that made me uncomfortable about this movie is that the things my my audience wanted to laugh at I didn't find funny and I felt uncomfortable about. That's I mean, they, they would laugh at Kate Blanchett saying something silly as a mentally ill person or a person with a mental illness. And I felt uncomfortable at some of the laughter. I, I didn't think it was a funny movie and I thought people were forcing laughter or laughing at things that I didn't think were funny, and so I felt uncomfortable about them. I do wonder, Dingus, how much uh, Bobby Cannavale's part was supposed to be played for laughs. Certainly, Michael Stuhlbarg's sexually harassing dentist, like I, that, that just felt icky to me, and I didn't. Yeah. And yeah. It just felt like a waste of that guy's talent. Um, and even the Louis C.K. where oh, he is a jerk after all because he's married. Uh, I. I, I yeah. You know, I, I like the script a lot, but man, it, it, some of the stuff in it was didn't need to be there, and I didn't. Why was I watching that? Yeah, I feel like he was rolling a die, kind of. 
why, why was I watching that instead of longer scenes with Kate Blanchett? You know, instead of letting the camera sort of linger on her and just that, that's his most precious asset in that movie. And he obviously knows it. So why is he jamming in? And this works in some movies like Crimes and Misdemeanors where I feel the plots are thematically connected. But mm. I didn't feel that that worked here. You know, that's his shtick is to have uh, several plots threaded together that maybe have some commentary on each other. But search me if I know what Louis C.K.'s iPod salesman and what Michael Stuhlbarg's sexually harassing dentists were doing in that movie. Especially um, Louis C.K., who, you know, I love that guy. I yeah. I will watch his comedy routines over and over again, and I think his show is sheer brilliance. But uh, after a couple of scenes of him, I just felt like this should not be in this movie. Right. This has nothing to do with this movie. Woody Allen's just... Like, I think Kelly was making a... a, a weird little joke, but Woody Allen might have been rolling the dice on sort of like, I'm going to pluck somebody out who's popular with a certain group of people who will be in my demographic or something, but I just I love Louis C.K., and he's fine in it, but he does not belong in this movie, and and I didn't realize it until you just said it, Tom, because I was really uncomfortable with the scenes. I thought they were silly, and that joke about let's go, you know, screw in the back of the car again was just like, this isn't the same movie I'm watching. And then I realized what you just said is that I'd rather just be watching Kate Blanchett work a little bit. Because that's the thing, too, is that uh, other than the weird sexual her- sexual harassment scene, and again, I don't know what to make of that. It Ugh. wasn't funny. It was gross. Uh, I didn't like seeing Michael Stuhlbarg used that way. But the, uh, a contrast where something like that does work is uh, Chili's little friend during that, that foursome, that yeah. date. Yeah. I love that sequence. Yeah, he's great. And, and it was also almost like it, it, it was funny. It was slightly hyper-real kind of, like comedic. Yeah. But it, it It's all organic. It felt organic, and it also showed us how she reacts to that situation. The looks she was giving, she looked like she wanted to murder that guy. And that was amazing to me. I mean, it really let you see this other aspect of this character. And to just see her flinching away from this dickhead trying to paw her, her boss, that didn't tell me anything about her. I didn't need to see that. That was... It was kind of like beneath the character almost. And irrelevant. That situation and completely irrelevant. Um, to, and, and especially when you saw how much venom she had for that annoying little dude. And uh, some guy almost tries to rape her and she just goes and kvetches about it to her, her friend in class. I mean, I, 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 yeah. So stuff like there were certain things in here that I really just wish had been cut uh, and and unfortunately, Michael Stuhlbarg and Louis C.K., I, I never thought I would say that about a movie, but uh, that was the case here. Well, they just show up arbitrarily and they leave arbitrarily. But it's been too long since I've seen Husbands and Wives, but I remember thinking when I saw that movie that every scene kind of built and was about the, the main characters and took weird turns and felt like real people. I, I just I remember that. Husbands and Wives being so shaky cam that I yeah there's a lot of that I, I honestly could barely watch husbands and wives it's so like i'm gonna just carry a camera around in my hand that uh, it may it actually made me nauseated uh, does anyone know i meant to look this up but uh i was late getting back from where the millers uh does anyone know does woody <laughs> allen consistently work with the same dp or does some does the same fellow shoot his movies or does he try different directors of photography well, famously, he worked with Gordon Willis. I mean, on his fame, on his you know most important movies. But I have no idea who he's worked with lately. Okay, uh, the the DP for this had some really. Uh, I'm going to 
show my, my white trash colors here. The DP for this had some really long, I think, foreign-sounding name, like maybe Hispanic or something that I didn't recognize. Um, uh, all right, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, didn't we all like Match Point and Midnight yes. Paris? Yeah. That Match Point, I think, is the last one I saw at the theater. I, I didn't like Match Point mainly because I just felt like I was watching Crimes and Misdemeanors like. Yeah, right, with a young, good looking lead. Yeah, let's put someone young and sexy in Crimes and Misdemeanors. Is Scarlett Johansson? I know, huh? But I really, really liked Midnight in Paris, and when I was talking to the soccer dads, as you were making fun of me earlier for doing, um, for doing I was saying. I was making fun of me earlier for doing. Soccer dads, earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, was that um, I really like uh, Owen Wilson's sort of Woody, you know, Woody Allen also always puts the Woody Allen character in, and I really liked Owen Wilson's take on that, and I thought it really worked and was really honest and real. Which one? And in this, and what I, one of the things I do like about Blue Jasmine is that there's no character like that. There's no yelling character whatsoever. And I think that's useful. Um, so Alec Baldwin was, I thought, but I, but I did love Midnight in Paris, not just for that reason, but, but I thought it was, uh, it, there was a certain freedom to it that Blue Jasmine doesn't really have. And I really, I mean, I like Peter Sarsgaard. I think he's great in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a hard time doing what he's doing, but I think he's great. Plus, he need, don't forget, he needs a haircut. I was like, oh, cut, cut your freaking hair, Peter Sarsgaard. Yeah. Because of his haircut, it's funny that you say that. I kept expecting that that he was going to also be a con man and that the house was ah. his. Uh, because he doesn't seem like sort of a, a diplomat kind of a dude. But that scene where he's just yelling at her about ethics oh, and dumps her. I liked it. Oh, wait, wait, what? In the car, you mean? Yeah, I thought that was fun. Uh, that was another one, too, where they were all they were mostly single shots of the two of them. You know, there they're there's these two actors doing this explosive scene, and he's not doing, for the most part, a two-shot where you can see both of them. Right. He's just cutting the... I, it's so annoying. Woody Allen <laughs> learned how to make movies already. You've been doing it long enough. Uh, I also, I don't think it's any good, but I, I really like Colin Farrell in... Is it Cassandra's Dream? Yeah. Yeah, I really like. I mean, he 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 gets good casts together, and good lord, do I love seeing Sally Hawkins? Uh, even though it's kind of weird to hear her being so American, but she's so adorable, isn't she? Oh, she's British, uh, brunette chick. She's so British, and Kate Blanchett is, of course, so Australian. Yeah, yeah. I was nervous about her at the beginning because uh, <gasps> why, Dingus? Because I thought Andrew Dice Clay was so good in that first scene, and she's like sort of doing this weird mugging thing every now and then. Uh, but it works into her character <laughs> just fine, and and you really ease into her character in a great way. Yeah. But at the beginning, I just thought Andrew Dice Clay was just such a surprise to me in that first scene where he's just so real and just honest and present. Uh, and the, and I thought she was doing something else, but it works out because of who she is. I uh, one of the most the cutest things I'll probably see all year are uh, Sally Hawkins and Bobby Cannavale in that last slice of pizza. Oh, oh we didn't get to see it. <laughs> that was wonderful. Oh, it was so wonderful. So darling. Yeah, it really don't, was. Don't eat that. <laughs> uh, so if if you like movies like um, 
Blue Jasmine, I saw a similar take on that kind of thing, like with a really uncomfortable performance with an actress who's really good but way younger. And the format isn't a Woody Allen drama. It's a horror movie. Uh, There's a movie called Magic Magic with Juno Temple. Um, And Juno Temple is – gosh, I think she's really good. And it's a similar kind of thing about this woman's – just an an uncomfortable spiral into – just falling apart. Uh, so if you liked Blue Jasmine and you want a horror movie take on it with a younger actress, uh, I recommend uh, Magic. Wait, why is it called Magic Magic? Twice. Like, that's not a phrase. People well, say. Kelly wanted a type of magic, you see. Repeater? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't, it's actually a Chilean movie from, from Chile. So, and not the, the country, not the character in Blue Jasmine. Uh, so maybe, maybe it has to do with like how it's translated or, or something. I don't know. Does she have two little dummies on her lap? One, two, three. Uh, me got one eighty degrees and I'm caught in between. Counting one, two, three. Beat up one, three. Getting down. I tried to get one on each knee. It's like the podcast. <laughs> so Kelly Wan, I was I was talking to Dingus about uh, about us seeing Riddick. Dingus, oh, do we have to do this? Yeah, yeah, we have to do this. Yeah, yeah. Dingus, Dingus thinks that Riddick is blind. What? Like uh, Dingus thinks. I don't know if you heard me. Dingus thinks that Riddick is blind, like Daredevil, that he can't see, that he can only see in the dark. Why does he think that? I thought that was the premise of Riddick that 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 he's special because he can only see in the dark because he's blind for some reason. Yeah, his character. So in other words, it's <laughs> but in other words, he's sort of like feeling his way around, unless he's like Denzel Washington in that uh, Book of Eli movie. But uh, so, so <laughs> but without the well. iPod. Good point. Exactly. Yeah. Wait. So uh, all right. Let me. Yes, Kelly Wan. We're seeing that movie. Well, not till it comes out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, so you have a respite. Yeah, I think you, you got to believe it. it. Yeah, we're seeing. The good news is we don't have to see it till it comes out. <laughs> Do you not want to see the Riddick movie? You don't. You don't like. You 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 don't need your yearly dose of David Twohey. I don't see movies where the yes, title character's last name. Even though it was the name of another movie in the franchise, like is it Riddick his first name? No, it's his name's Seymour uh, Riddick. His first name is Chronicle, right? <laughs> well, you know, maybe we'll find out in uh, Riddick when it opens on September 9th, and the last of and our favorite Furion is back on screen. Oh, nice plug! What'd you get for that? Fuck you, chick! You're the take. <laughs> he gets, he gets to choose the poster for the movie. <laughs> <sighs> All right, so this week's three by three is what? Someone, someone, oh what's going on here, Dingus? This is your three favorite space habitats. Tom, yes, Kelly Wand. What do you think of this topic? What's <laughs> di- what? What do you think of Dingus right now for picking, making us do this? How do you feel? Um, I feel like uh, we might so have some good space with Dingus on a twenty-six month jaunt to Jupiter, and it's been twenty-five months. And this is the first thing he said to you all that time. It's okay. Three best episodes. <laughs> Reply. Uh, it's similar to getting a Kelly Wand three by three. What? What? <laughs> it doesn't have to be a bad thing. I can't believe what that you went there from there. Unbelievable. I fucking teed that shit up, and you turn on me like a fucking pit bull. 
So you. Speaking of, of pit bulls, uh, we have a contest to resolve. Oh, uh, right, the pit bull contest. <laughs> we are giving away a Blu-ray copy of Zombie Massacre, and if you want to know more about the movie, listen to last week's Elysium podcast, where uh, I'm the only one who's seen the movie in its entirety. Dingus has seen parts of it, and Kelly Wan had some trenchant questions about it. So there's a little Zombie Massacre uh, and we have the Blu-ray here, along with a note that Dingus wrote that says, Why is this in trash? We should make things like this a podcast prize. Tom, so, this is next week. That's <laughs> a great impression of my voice, by the way. It's not your voice, Dingus. It's your handwriting. I'm number five. So here we go. I'm going to roll a die and select all of the uh, contestants. Where is the list? Okay, here we go. I'm rolling a die. Oops, I'm re-rolling the die because that was outside of the range. All right, uh, Kyle Kyle Covino is the proud winner of a Blu-ray copy of Zombie Massacre with a note from Dingus included. Um, congratulations, Kyle. Ha- yeah, congratulations, Kyle. However, we don't know where you live. <laughs> so uh, send an email to 3 by 3 at quarter to 3com That's 3x. Or you're disqualified. There's a well, if you- sort of British quality of the way. We don't know where you live. Yeah, we need to know that to send it. Uh, but we will gladly send it to you. Um, and we hope you enjoy your, your Blu-ray. Congratulations. What are we Kyle. giving away this week? This week we are giving away a 3x3 three three from Dingus that you can participate in. Hopefully wait, wait, I have a prize. You do? Yeah. What? Uh, the Green Lantern movie script written by Robert Smigel that was abandoned because it was comedy instead of serious. And what does someone have to do to win this? I don't know. I thought that you'd figure that part out. <laughs> Man, that's going to be a hot item. I thought Zombie Massacre, people would really be into that. Uh, so, uh, Robert Smigel, that's that's the comic dog fella, right? Yeah, Triumph the Comic Dog. Wrote comic Dog Dude's Green Lantern script. <laughs> he wrote a funny one, and then they went, ah, oh, the fans want a serious movie. So they made the one we, that we didn't Seth see. Seth Rogen. Yeah. No! What? Tom... Tell you one of the four stages of reacting to a troll from Tom Chase. Disbelief, rage. You're actually like stupidest prize ever, and you just gave a zombie massacre with a post-it. All right, Dingus gets to try to post it for those. So is it so Kelly Wan, what do folks have to do to win? I mean what I did with Zombie Massacre was they just posted in the comments thread for our podcast, hey yeah, I want it. Um that seems like a good way to that wasn't too complicated, but you roll the die because I don't have time for that shit. All right, so tell us again. So Kelly Wand, it's a it's a, a written script, like it's actually it's a big stack of paper, or it's like a PDF, or what's bound? It? It's bound in uh, like it's got masking tape on. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's from like an agency. Are you allowed to give this away? Or are we going to get in trouble? So. I don't know. Well, I don't think anyone listens. Okay, good. If All right, so and I won't do it. If anyone cares, we're not actually doing it. But if you don't care, we are doing it, and you can win this script signed by Kelly Wand and anyone else who's written in it uh, by posting <laughs> in the podcast comments for Blue Jasmine. By the way, nobody's going to listen to this podcast because nobody's going to see Blue Jasmine. Yeah. You should have saved it for, for something like, uh, uh, I don't know, when's, when's the next big movie? We're, we're going back into the small. Uh, um, all right, I'll save it. Yeah, you're right. All right, you know what? You've missed your chance. If you're listening and you wanted that script, too bad. you got to wait till another podcast. Sorry. Apologies. You'll have to deal with my copy of Spanglish instead. Oh, good Lord. Wait, I'll write a post-it for that then. 
<laughs> well, let's do a three by three instead of uh, teasing listeners with things they can't win. Uh, so, Dingus, really, space habitat. Not, sure. That's not really the topic. What's the real topic, Dingus? The real topic is Burger King, where all Dragon Masters go to. Uh, yeah, you know, it is. Uh, it's space habitats because last oh. week we were in Elysium, and Elysium had a lovely ring world overhead where there was a bunch of people space habitating up there. And so, yes, I did indeed uh, ask you to come up with three space habitats. I did inner space habitats because I got confused. Uh, uh, If you're you're on Elysium, can you see, like, if you look straight up, I don't remember if there was a shot like this. If you look straight up, do you see the other side of the ring? I don't even understand how the atmosphere works up there. So it has circumference. I, know I don't know if the if the ring goes all the way around. Or well, the atmosphere works the same way it does on Earth, and that's with oh, gravity. Okay. It's with gravity. That's... Gravity because it's spinning, centrifugal force creates gravity, and it holds the atmosphere in. Ah, isn't that so, isn't that correct? Oh, no? So why is there no uh, excuse we- the discussion imagery? Why is there no entry burn when the shuttles come in? Because Neil Blomkamp. How come the Tuscan Raiders couldn't fly in Phantom Menace? <laughs> All right. Well, since Kelly Wand is going first, for, is, go, is doing next week's three by three. Thank you, Dan. Kelly Wand. What is your number three pick for a space habitat? Outer space habitat. Jesus, get it right. See, now we know your list is going to be a disaster. Wait, outer space involves what is that? What's the is the moon outer space or is that what? What is outer space? Involved? Anything not on Earth. Is outer space? Wait a minute. Isn't there just regular space? There's inner space, which is where Dennis Quaid goes when he's shrunk down. There's, and then there's space, which is like anywhere between here and Mars. But anything farther (laughs) than that is outer space, right? And there's extra space, which is a storage facility. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, Kelly Wan, what do you have for your number three pick? My number three pick for outer space. Wait, hold on, Kelly Wan. Weren't you going to tell us something? Oh, no, Dingus. Weren't you going to tell us something about a movie you watched this week? Or is that part no, of the it, it was just a documentary I was watching about Woody Allen that takes an hour and a half to watch. So I knew it would annoy you that I watched an hour and a half uh, documentary about Woody Allen. You watched that jazz man, wild man jazz or whatever that thing was. That thing no. about him being a, a jazz flutist. I didn't. What? It's flowers. So Woody Allen. Yeah, he does that like in a jazz band in New York. No, I did not watch the the jazz flautist documentary that got nominated. <laughs> there's a there's a two part documentary that takes about three and a half to four hours to watch that I watched half of. It's just about his his career, and it's a really good documentary. Um, and that's where I, I got this whole sense of him as being so attuned to music and then getting the sense of, like, well, not in this movie, dude. Uh, but it's a great – if you love Woody Allen, it's a great documentary for looking at his career, but you guys don't, so never mind. Okay, well, I'm glad you saved that for the three by three about space habitats. You're welcome. It's so otherwise like, yeah. because love and death it takes place in space. It's so you know, it strikes me that Woody Allen, Woody Allen is a bit like Jared Leto because Jared Leto is also in a band called Thirty Seconds to Mars when he's not being in, in movies. Keanu Reeves is in Dog Star. I got uh, Russell movies. Russell Crowe is in a band too, isn't he? What? <laughs> yes, Forty Knots of Nut. Counting Crows. Gotcha. Very good, Kelly Wand. Very Thank good. you. All right, Kelly Wand, let's get down to business. This is serious uh, stuff uh, here. Dingus did not uh, do this as a joke three by three. He meant it in earnest. Right. So, Kelly Wand, what is your face? You can't what? You can't screw around in space. That's what Dingus is telling us. And that right. was- in space, no one can hear you screw around. Right. So, Kelly Wand, what's your number three pick? Oh, uh, well, I, I, I was the one who said I was going to talk about a movie 
that I saw, which was your over report. I thought it was pitch perfect. No. I only saw oh, part of it. Right. You saw, haven't seen it yet. Good point. Right. I only saw the shower scene. Just like uh, that Kate Beckinsale movie in South Pole you told me about. Um, but you're uh, white out, white out, yeah, white out, white out. Is she? Is, there's never two shower scenes in a movie. What's up with that shit? Well, one's enough. It's just like fucking Death Star Battle. I think I, there's more. There's multiple shower scenes in Schindler's List, aren't there? Oh, <laughs> um, wow! Too, too soon, Dingus. I pardon you. Our, our little Tom's growing up. <laughs> All right, Kelly Wan. So you finally watched Europa Report. Now, is that one of your picks? No, because it's not an outer space habitat, because they're in orbit around Europa. Jesus Christ. Around my what? (laughs) (laughs) Dingus laughed at that. I don't know which ego I hate more now. (laughs) Your report would have been a perfectly cromulent pick, but go ahead, move on. Yeah, because I think that's a worthy pick, because the production design in Europa Report is really one of its strong points. Yeah, it really is wonderful. Since neither you got mad at me, I guess it's not. Well, Kel- uh, Kelly Wan, I should warn you, Dingus hasn't actually seen it yet. He's seen Europa Report the same way that he's seen Europa Report the same way that you've seen Pitch Perfect, which is to say he yes. hasn't. But I do appreciate you naming a movie you didn't pick before actually naming the movie you picked because you've <laughs> never done that before. Right. <laughs> so I'm putting you down for Europa Report for your number three pick. Sorry. What? No take backs. So take- anyway, my number three pick is not your over report, but I want to name that in case you guys did. And my actual pick is Zap. <laughs> That's not our space habitat. Although I guess Earth it's is a, is a habitat. I'm talking outer telekinesis space. Tom, he's Just making fun of me again. I thought you said you were going to enforce things. Well, all right. The way around this, Kelly Wand, is tell us what actually is your number three pick for oh, yeah. habitat. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, dingus. I'm going to tell you. By the way, real quick, so didn't you like Europa Report? Like yeah. Without, yeah. yeah. Uh, really it's, it. it's way better than Apollo 18, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. You know what, though? It also, okay, the thing that annoyed me most careful, about Careful, careful, careful. Oh, yes, yes. Was that they were dipshits and not like smart astronauts and old astronauts. They're fucking idiots. Dumbasses. As opposed to like the Apollo 13 astronauts. Right. right. In Apollo 18, they're the teenagers that go into the horror movie. Right. And I, want, I wanted to see like badass astronauts get taken. Bad astronauts. Hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, Kelly Wan, for. They weren't that smart either, I didn't think. I thought they were kind of dumb in that too. Like, what were you going to say? What? How did you feel about the astronauts in. Uh, uh, not Dark Star. What is the John Carpenter movie? Dark Star. Yeah. We'll get to that in my number one, won't we? Whoa! All right. See how it feels, Kelly Wand? All right. And so Kelly Wand. Goes to dynamite. That's right. Kelly Wand, what's your number three pick for a space habitat? Well, you guys owed me a few, so I'm glad that happened. Fair point. And I think Tom knew, and he knows, he knows that my second's Passion of the Christ, because outer space is heaven. But anyway, number three, Outland. <laughs> I mean, I'll do a quote from it. Oh, pushy galore. Okay, what movie? Uh, and what makes you like this Peter Yates? Because Peter it, Yates or Peter Hyams? I Peter, Peter Hyams. Yeah, this Peter, Peter Hyams. Hyams Western, uh, space Western, before it's before that Serenity Firefly thing was even a thing, by the way. What's this? There's no connection. It's a space Western. Serenity, that, no, that, that show. That's not a Western. Oh, yeah, it is. Noon, shut up. That's true. Well, Outland is High Noon, and Serenity is uh, whatever that that uh, that. Call it high. No, what's that series with Timothy Oliphant uh, on HBO? That mean just no, 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 not on HBO. Dead the Western. Oh, Deadwood. Deadwood. Yeah. So uh, Serenity is Deadwood in space, right? No. All right. I tried. It's so Dead out- Space. Get it? 
That's Terrellia's Breakfast Club in space. (laughs) So, Uh, Kelly, want to describe other than a place where Francis Sternhagen patches you up? Describe the setting in uh, Outland. Uh, it's got a lot of shitty things about it. And that's what I liked about it was it was really wretched. It seemed like a really shitty, wretched, miserable place to be. And that's why, um, like, the bad guy is just playing, like, Wii Golf. Because that's all <laughs> he's got in the future. And then... Peter Boyle? Yeah. Remember his office? Oh. He, has, he shoots golf. Oh, like a computer golf, right? Yeah. That you'd think he would have some like he's in he's next to Jupiter, but it's like golf still more interesting to him. That's the weird thing. It's like I think shouldn't we all be astronomers? Because it's like the whole universe versus like Kardashian. <laughs> as far as the size of the subject matter, yeah, right. yeah. like we're resilient of anything, and nothing nothing ever happens on Earth anymore that's good. I think it jumped the shark before we even got here. But it's like the universe <laughs> is everything, and we're like, yeah, fuck the check out this dust bowl. Huh. Did you just say the Earth junked the shark? Anyway, Dingus just let him run. That was awesome. That was a beautiful thing, say. Dingus. I just I wanted that to go on for as long as it was going to go on. That was beautiful. It's still <laughs> happening. It's still going. Uh, so that- and so we made Outland look wretched because like prostitutes and they get decompressed when they get take too many drugs. What were you gonna say? The point of Outland, and I, I, I love the production design. Francis Sternhagen's the hottest chick on the... Uh... Right, exactly. That speaks volumes. Uh, but, but what they were doing with Outland is, is doing this idea of a dusty mining town, uh, a very blue-collar space. And this, if I'm not mistaken, this is pre-Alien, isn't it? No. Oh, are you serious? Oh, rats. I'm sad about that. It's post-Meteor. The other Sean Connery space movie. But Alien is, is you know, it's, they're very much yeah. blue-collar space workers, and I recall that being the unique element in Outland. I didn't realize that Alien had beat him, beat him to the punch. Um, all right, but a good one, Outland. And and uh, where is this, Kelly Wand? Oh, Io. Very good. I thought you were going to say Jupiter. I was going to call you on that. Uh, we, what? Isn't what? that a, isn't that a Jovian moon? Ugh. I think Alan's the only movie set on Io. Wait, is Io Jupiter or Saturn? I think it's Jupiter. Okay, that's what I thought. I thought because I I thought you were going to say Jupiter, and I was going to say nope. It's the moon. It's one of Jupiter's moons. In two thousand one, the book they go to Saturn, and it's Iapetus or Jeopetus, and then the movie it's Jupiter, which seems like a weird thing to change from the book to the movie. Personally, I feel that Stanley Kubrick knows what he's doing more than Isaac Asimov knows what he's doing. Is Arthur C. Clarke, and he agrees. <laughs> <laughs> My number three pick. Uh, yes. So I did the opposite of Kelly Wan. There's some oh. there's some amazing production design in space habitats. Uh, I can't wait for Dingus to mention the one that we were all thinking last week. But I'm not. I, the ones that I'm going to mention are my favorite in that I would want to be there. And there aren't many because space is. It sucks. It sucks. It's a hostile environment. Yeah, we're, not we're not supposed, supposed to, be, to there. be there. Right. So generally we're in small cramped quarters or dystopias like Outland. So these are space habitats that I would actually genuinely want to be in. And the first one is a space habitat. The model for this is as a cruise ship for lazy pampered tourists. And I forget the name <laughs> of it, but it's the it's the ship on Wall-E. Oh, everybody, everybody, this is That's the a thing great that, choice. That's perfect. Shut what? up. Yeah, so because I would, I would want that. If I'm going to go in space, Kelly, Wan, I don't want to be, you know, squeezed into tight quarters with Dan O'Bannon and, and Dark Star. You know, that's not so what I want. Kind of by old fat asses. Well, okay, right, right. That that's a good point. I would actually 
want to get some endorphins going. I would do a little exercise. I would not just sit on, and as a guy who does that a lot during the day, just sit and enjoy entertainment, I, I do amazing. try to do, <laughs> so to speak. Um, I, I would like to think sit that, I, that. Would, I would like to think I would not be as corpulent as the people in Wally. Um, but if I'm going to go live in space, that's where I'd want to live, where robots serve you. You can watch different uh. things. You can, come on, what? And a lot of people think Wally gets suckier when it does that thing. You're weird. Why am I weird? Do you because not, that's okay. not about space. You, you did that anyway. You could go to a fucking Club Med right now and get that. That's not that different. That's the whole point. That's but, why yeah. that whole scene okay. part of the movie is supposed to be like, oh, look, they're in space. They don't even know or care about anything that's going on outside the view. But, but they are in space, though. Do you deny? <sighs> is that a, Kelly Wand, is that a terrestrial so habitat? You, hold on, hold on. I have a question. Add to the question. That's right. Kelly Wand, is it a terrestrial habitat or is it a space habitat? Well, it's designed to seem terrestrial. That's not, you're not answering the question. You're not answering the question. Outland. Kelly Wand, I'm going to ask you a yes or no question. Is the ship in Wally a terrestrial habitat? We don't know because we Kelly don't Kelly Wand, it's yes or no. Don't see that so ship. Don't see that so ship. We do too. Even Remove Kelly Wand from the courtroom. Eva and Wally fly around with a fire extinguisher. It's a beautiful dance. One of my, you know what? Three, but my three, my <laughs> favorite, favorite dances with robots. Oh, that sure. dance is beautiful. What are you talking about? The fire extinguisher? Yeah, yeah it's totally in space. Kelly Wan's like, oh, we don't see the outside of the ship. Kelly Wan obviously hasn't seen Wally, first of all, and oh. second of all, he's wrong. Say like Muhammad Ali's name. That's funny. <laughs> but also, they don't. They, the whole point of going out in the space is to see bitchin' shit and cosmic mysteries. But you oh, really? Is that, that, I don't recall that being part of Dingus' 3x3. He just said space habitats. He didn't say space habitats with big windows. That is a great line. I think Rucker Hauer says that in Blade Runner. Bitchin' shit. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb, if I may, and say that people's choices reveal much about their natures. Well, where do you hear my number one? Space. The defense rests. Doesn't it? Well, Kelly, when, when, when I say I, number one, you're going to go, damn it, that's an awesome pick. I wish I could have it. And Tom Chick, you are 189% right. Wait, so that's the aggregate for critics who didn't. <laughs> Dingus, what's your number three pick for a space habitat? <laughs> my number right. two. Here's a quote from it. You are not using those things in my forest. Yeah. Oh, you did watch that. Oh, that's a good one. I, it's one of two. Yeah, that's a great one. Does it is it is it involve Bruce Dern or Michelle Yeoh? It's definitely an outfit. Uh This one involves Bruce Dern. Michelle okay. Yeoh we'll get to in a moment. You bet. Uh, I freaking love Silent Running, um, mainly because I remember the circumstances under which I first watched it, and this is one of the first things I thought of when I thought about this topic. Uh, uh, I still remember I was. First introduced to Silent Running by uh, the mother of a girlfriend I had in high school. Um, and the girlfriend uh, was named Heather Conway. And her mother had this VHS collection that was freaking phenomenal. And she had it all cataloged in a little binder notebook. And she kept at Have you not seen Silent Running? Why haven't you watched Silent Running? Uh, and so uh, finally I watched it one night. And um, I think we, we made out not... Me and the mom, but you and Bruce Dern. Me and Bruce Dern, <laughs> because who wouldn't want to be Bruce Dern's husband? Um, we made out 
for most of the movie, but I just love those domes so much. And I really, really love the movie Silent Running. And I love those little forests, uh, not little forests, but I, I really, really love the movie Silent Running and I love that habitat. So there you go. Uh, does it hold up? I don't know. I didn't watch it this week. Um, can imagine. Did you make out during when they go to sat through Saturn's rings? That seems like a good part to do that during. <laughs> yes. Well, oh, yeah. it was just perpetual. Uh, no. Um, Sounds like you didn't really watch it. Though. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too, Kelly Wand. Is I don't think he. Yeah, I don't. He's putting it on his list because he was making out while watching it. He's got Oriola mixed up with Saturn's rings. Common mistake. Doesn't. <laughs> oh, I don't want to get that title either. Why is it called Silent Running? I don't understand that. Because he's in space and he's running away from... Because he's a murderer? Well, is he... Yeah, I don't remember a lot of the incidentals. And he's is that... Murderer. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's what's... Do you remember the plot of the movie? Do you remember... Yeah, yeah. But I was always bummed that he he killed off domes with animals in them to get rid of the dudes instead of just waiting for the dude to come out and then shooting him. Well, he was in love with the dome that he... He was in love with that particular one. Well... What? He was... He didn't like them all equally. He liked only one of them. No, he loved only his ship. Hmm. Tom? Uh, is, is Silent Running directed by Douglas Trumbull? Did I just make no. that up? No, no, no. You're absolutely right. It's it's Douglas Trumbull. I should see that. You've never seen it? Not since I was a kid. And plus, I was making out when I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> I, should, I probably should not have included that little bit of... Uh, I haven't seen Silent Running since grade school. <laughs> Always enjoy a Fight Club reference, Kelly Wand. See? All right, uh, Silent Running. So, uh, yeah, we'll get to Michelle Yeoh in a moment. But, Kelly Wand, first, what is your number two pick for a favorite space habitat? All right, so my number two is from 2001, but it's not the ship. It's the monolith that's by Jupiter. Because to me, that's the ultimate habitat, is you're just in space, you don't need a ship, you make them come to you, so you're just like there in space. Like, that's the perfect habitat, just being there without anything. Mr. Wally, fucking bumper cars. <laughs> Ridiculous astronomy. Wow, if that's your number two, Kelly Wan, your number one must be mind-blowing. You already know my number one. Do you know what a habitat means? <laughs> there uh, might be someone living in there, Dingus, we don't know for sure. Yeah, it's got stars inside it, it's full of them. You know what, Dingus, read the uh, Roger Zelazny novel, and it might explain more about actually whether or not you can live inside those monoliths. I will as soon as I'm done with all of Piers Anthony's books. <laughs> Don't forget Paul Anderson. Uh, my number two pick <laughs> is indeed uh, because it's so idyllic, and I love the fact that it's situated in this otherwise kind of typical production design for a spaceship. Uh, I love me the oxygen garden in Sunshine, and not just because it's staffed by Michelle Yeoh, uh, who I would have picked Silent Running because I, I definitely love that juxtaposition of nature and outer space. Uh, and I love how that works with the Oxygen Garden. Uh, but Silent Running has Bruce Dern, in, a crazy old Bruce Dern in it. I would rather have uh, Michelle Yeoh in my She's idyllic it. But do you remember space. all those little droids that she ha- that uh, Bruce Dern had? In oh, I remember his droids, running? yeah. Yeah, I definitely remember his robots. Like, that's most of what I remember about Silent Running. And you have your his Disney little robot friends. Ducks. Um, Which makes him Scrooge McDuck, except he is, his currency is leaves. Mm. Still green. Mm. 
That's right. Origin number two, I wasn't listening. <laughs> uh, the Oxygen Garden and Sunshine. Oh, that's a good even one. Though, even though it has a, uh, it, it's sort of key to everything getting screwed up. Uh, but oh. I, I love the Oxygen yeah. Garden there. Wait, it's not key to getting screwed up, is it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's full of oxygen. It explodes. That's why we have an explosion. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thought hydrogen was the. Okay, never mind. I get yeah. it. Hydrogen uh, is was my that? number one. Uh, but yeah, number two. Yeah, my number two is definitely the oxygen garden and sunshine. I love that habitat. I love the. I just I love the 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 design of those ships overall, and I love the crew quarters and that little area where they have the computers and the cooling tanks. But that oxygen garden, the, it's just such a great idea to have this little area in the ship that is so verdant and has a different color scheme from anything else yeah. that we're seeing on this on the ship. And the fact of how Michelle Yeoh feels about it, I love that habitat. I love that she wants to protect it and take care of it like a mother. I'm just crazy about that that habitat. Yeah. And so that's your number two as well. You're stealing my number two. I'm stealing your number two because my number one of of some sort of a cartoon is not going to work. Space <sighs> Space Dog, Space Boy, uh, Mouse. Are you thinking of, are you thinking of Wally? No. Why oh, did like that again? Why are you <laughs> saying it with the accent mark over the e? <laughs> say it again. Say that Wally. I love Wally. I think that's a great Wally. Pick. One of my. <laughs> Stop that! It's making me crazy. I'm saying I mean, the name of the movie. What are you saying, doing? Wait, what did you say it was? Wally. What? Wally. Oh, Wally. I think it was Space Ghost. Dingus. What? You know, he's saying it weird to mess with you, you know. I am saying it like it's titled. It's like a wall and the letter E. Wally. This he's it's fine with it. He's terrible with born supremacy, but he's fine with Wally. Say yeah. that. How do you say it, Kelly Wand? What? Which one? The the little robot movie. Which one? The one with Eva. Oh, Silent Running? <laughs> oh no, it's called Silent Running. Okay. Well, Kelly Wand, what then is your number one pick for a space habitat? No, oh, it is. Right, right. I do already know it. You're going to love my pick now. So uh, why Dark Star? Because, because it has an elevator shaft uh, that's really deep. land on it. Because it has what? It's got a – well, see, I just picked ones that I thought were realistic, which I thought was what Dingus wanted. <laughs> right. And so, uh, yeah. All right. And uh, they have a, a beach ball alien pet. Yeah, and there's that one dude. They all have their own space in the ship. Yeah, the Where dude who has his head, his head up in that little dome window. Yeah, the it's a guy. I want to be. And then there's the frozen dude, the frozen commander. Wait, I want to be him too. Mm, you have to pick one of the other Kelly one. You can only roll up one character Let's, in Dark Star. The RPG. I want to be frozen, but up where the the few have it. Dark Star, the RPG. I'll do that for you. Remember that he makes that guy in. They, I think they all have one bedroom, and then the guy raises a rubber chicken, and it makes the it makes the other guy depressed. So you to go. Like they're hot bunking, you mean? <laughs> Why are you laughing? That's the thing. That's the thing like on nuclear submarines where... Is that a term you learned from where the Millers in Mexico? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. Why would I learn that from where the Millers? Uh, well, like you said that word too. Hot bunking, is that where you hot, uh, you pass gas under the sheets and then you... No, oh, dang it, no. Ugh. What does I, it... I apologize to any submariners listening. It's where you sleep in shifts. And so, like, we would all three share a bed, and we would have eight-hour sleeping shifts. Not at the same time, Dingus. Like, I sleep, and then when it's time for me to get up, it's time for Kelly Wan to go to bed. And then when it's time for Kelly Wan to get up, it's time for you to go to bed. And then when you get up, it's time for me to go to bed. We're hot bunking. That's a thing, isn't it? 
So it's like spooning, but there's three of us. <laughs> no, we're never in the bed at the same time. The hot the point. <laughs> so we'll stay hot from the body heat and the fleet right, of the right. last occupant. That's the idea. That's yeah. disgusting. You know what, Kelly Wan? You're not cut out for the Navy then, are you? Ah, oh, cut out. I like it. <laughs> All right, my number one pick space. is for a space habitat. Uh, Kelly Wand. Yeah. Is uh, Valerie Perone hot or not? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Me. So, Kelly Wand, how would you like to live in a space habitat where your, exclusive, where your exclusive job is to have sex with Valerie Perone? Sure. Wait, which movie? Slaughterhouse you- Five. Oh, yeah, that's so. It, no, in Slaughterhouse Five, Billy Pilgrim gets kidnapped by the trial Famidorians or whatever they are. Uh, it's Kurt Vonnegut's novel and it goes through some crazy flights of fancy. But one of the things that happens in Billy Pilgrim getting unstuck in time is he is put in an, an alien planet's observation dome, which is made up to look like a house, and aliens watch him, and because they want to watch how humans procreate, he puts in a a famous movie star named Montana Wild Hack, played in the movie by a really hot Valerie Perone. And and I recall this from being a kid, too. There's nudity of her. Oh, yeah. She's nude a lot. She's yeah. nude in Lenny too. She likes to be a nude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she's, you know, that's that's part of that's that's an early impression on my childhood sexual awakening, so to speak. So my favorite space habitat would be is the Tralfamadorian observation tank with Valerie Perone. Yep. Uh, well, if I'm with the aliens, I, I see. I don't like seeing just anyone have sex. I just want to see Valerie Perone have sex. Well, you, you are having sex with her if you're in this space habitat, Kelly. I'll watch that, too. No, you don't even have to watch. You do it. I feel bad for her. <laughs> <laughs> like I do for most of my partners. But, um, yeah, that's why I assume the, the aliens picked her. Right. And and Richard Dreyfus. What? Well, the other one. What do you mean the other one? Close Encounters. Oh, those aliens. I don't think those were trial Famidorians, I don't think. Oh. Yeah, you're you're crossing so, yeah. your, you're crossing your universes. It's like it's like one superhero is from DC Comics, one is from Marvel, one set of aliens is from Vonnegut, another is from Spielberg. They're not the same thing, Kelly Wand. The planet Vonnegut? I don't even know what you're on about. Uh, but you do you do like this pick and, and Kelly Wand concede now that you agree with it hundred and eighty nine percent. Yeah. See? At least hundred and eighty nine. See? All right, Dingus, what do you got to top that? In your in your number one space habitat, can you have sex with Valerie Perone? <laughs> Perone. Valerie Perone. <laughs> no, be, my hair and my teeth would probably fall out. Uh, that's not, it's just a... It's space, though. Yeah, I know what he's doing. He's uh, not picking it because it's a cool space habitat. He's picking it because he loves the movie, which is fine. It's perfectly valid. It's just a regular old space base. All right, Dingus, tell us about it. Uh, that this would be uh, the give movie us a line. Wait, wait, give us. Give oh, us a so line. here's a, here's a here's a line from it. Gertie, is there someone else in the room? That's not outer space. That's what I was wondering. Is the That's moon? Because until you get beyond Mars or whatever, it's just space. I don't know about the Mars rule, but I know <laughs> if you're on the moon, you're not. I didn't say space. outer space. I said space. You habitat. said outer space, dude. He did say space. <laughs> you said outer space, what? dude. Dude, he so said outer. Did he? Well, Kelly, Wand, then is my Tralfamadorian pick in Nolan Void because it's on a planet? Oh, all right, never mind. 
All right, Kyle. Uh, Dingus, you're being stated. Yeah. No, I'm sure I said outer space, but I thought of anything outside of the world. It's a good movie. It's, it's a great movie. It's a great why movie. Is, why is it your favorite space habitat of all time, even better than having sex with Valerie Perrone? Uh, first of all, I don't know what the hell you're talking about because I never saw that movie that you're talking about. I just you read know the, the book. book. Yeah, yeah, I read the book. You know the girl. What, it, what is it? What's the phrase from the book? So it goes. Is that the book? Is that the yes? Phrase? That's the Tralfamadorian uh, credo, I believe. So she comes. And I remember. <laughs> Was that a parrot? Tom's stomach. And I remember starting to watch the movie and going, eh, I don't want to watch this. I just love the book. I really love that book. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what you're talking about. Well, so Dingus, you missed out on some awesome Valerie Prone nudity. All right. Uh, is she as hot as Valerie Bertinelli? Hmm. Why has it got to be an either or? Why can't we have both of them? <laughs> you can have both of them. There's yeah. a lot of good Valeries. Name one more. Oh, uh, Valerie Harper in her prime. Does that mean? No. Valerie Kilmer? Yeah. Valerie Kilmer. That's awesome. In her prime. By the way, just just so you guys know, uh, we were invited to a a, a one-man Mark Twain show at uh, the Pasadena Playhouse starring – hold on. Starring Val Kilmer as Mark Twain. Wait, where am I going? Nope, it's a it's a Val Kilmer production. Pasadena Playhouse. We somehow got a. I don't even think it's a press list. I think it's I'm somehow on their subscriber list or whatever. So Val Kilmer uh, Mark, doing the Mark Twain one man show. Oh good lord! I saw him at, like some Comic Con at one point, and he was just bloated and red faced. And I went, oh my! How was Val Kilmer though? Exactly. <laughs> All right, so Dingus, tell us what makes the moon space habitat uh, your space. favorite. Well, this is why. I love where he lives. I I, uh, I love that he made that whole diorama thing uh, to create the, the space where he lives and make it more habitable for him. And and then he has the uh, – I, I just love the way that whole place is set up. I love that. As far as the design is concerned, it's not some place. I'm not following your idea of like places I would like to live and have sex with people in. Um, I just like the way it's designed. I, I I love that he has to step over those barriers to get from place to place, from room to room, and I love that that in relation to the to the definition of the word habitat because of who he is. Because you know, one of the ideas of the word habitat is that. Um, it's an, it's this area where somebody would naturally live. And, um, for outer space, humans wouldn't naturally live there. But because of the nature of the movie Moon and sort of the thematic elements in it, thematic elements, um, this is the natural habitat of this particular organism, if you kind of think about what the movie Moon is about. And I really love the way that whole thing is set up. I love the the companion that he has to deal with it, and I love the diorama, and I just love the whole way it's set up. And Sam Rockwell. Oh, is he in the movie? I think if you're going to... One of the things to consider when you're considering a habitat is who lives there. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Kevin's space habitat. <laughs> you were really working hard to, to come up with some way... To make that work, weren't you? Also, like that was <laughs> in watching Moon again this week. I forgot how great those opening credits are. They're really cool. I mean, Moon is so well made. You 
God, if you've never watched Moon, if you're a listener, please watch Moon. Please, I'm begging you. Oh, man, it's so freaking well made. And I, I just love that. And I could choose the space station. I could choose any of those rovers. I, I could choose anything, but I love Moon so much. One of my favorite things about the space habitat in Moon is that uh, Matt Berry will video call you. <laughs> I've always wanted that to happen. Uh, all right, uh, Dingus, what do we have from readers? All right, so first from readers, we have Jonathan Jelando de Pratna. Hey, y'all. Jonathan Jelando de Pratna here after a holiday with my 3x3 entry. I'm about to turn 30. 21 August 1983 at 10.30 a.m. I came into this world. Good grief. Um, if you could... If you all could give me a birthday shout-out, it would be would really make my transition to old age, especially one from Kelly Wand, whatever that means. Happy birthday. Aha, you're old. Yeah, I'm not giving anybody a birthday wish who, who considers 30 old age. I, so sorry, sorry, Jonathan J. Lando de Pratna. None from me. No birthday shout-out from me, you, yep. you 30-year-old kid. Jeez, 30 I'm not giving years. anybody a shout-out who asks for a shout-out. Uh, this is kind of a hard one to avoid using Star Wars, but I did it. My number three is Spaceballs. Lone <laughs> Star's Winnebago seems pretty cozy and like a good home in the stars for awkward loner like myself. I could probably do without the mog smell, but it's probably very well stocked with jam. Spaceballs is Star Wars. I don't know if he knows that. <laughs> yeah, that is weird. I've, I've never watched Preface. Spaceballs. I refuse to watch it because it desecrates Star Wars. What, you? So I, I, I already I can't stand this guy. Why is he doing this? <sighs> I can't stand this guy. I can't stand him. I don't. I That's don't your birthday to... shout out from Dingus. Yeah, I don't want to stand you. I can't stand you. My number two is Moon. Oh, now I love you. I, am I reveling too much? Am I reveling too much of myself? Oh, am I revealing too much of myself? Sorry. Uh, obviously, I have crippling mental and personality disorders and this topic is showing my craving for isolation. Turn off Kevin Spacey, kill the clones, and live the rest of my days in quiet. Spoiler. Yeah, exactly. Alright, thank you for choosing Moon. I agree with you, Jonathan. Uh, My number one is Wall-E. Sweet victory. Uh. Vindication. (laughs) Because in the end, all I want to do is get too fat to walk and eat chocolate cupcakes through a straw and limit all my interactions and actions to the internet. By the way, I would like to point out that Jonathan J. Lando de Pratna pronounces the movie correctly when he writes it. Wally. Very well done, Jonathan. He just described Tom's life, Tom's ideal life. And well done, Picking Moon. You are now back on my favorite personal list. Happy birthday. All right, I'll wish him a happy birthday, too, because he picked Wally. Happy uh, birthday, Jonathan J. Lando de Pratna. All right, next we have Paul Waymer. Hi, guys. Expecting to be scooped, but he didn't want to cheat with spacecraft or alien planets. Hey! <laughs> Wait. What, else, hey. what is left, by the way? Because any planet that's a, like alien planet, unless any planet that's not Earth is an alien planet. Right. Wait, say that again? Unless any, you're an alien. Any, 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 planet, alien. any planet that is not Earth <laughs> is an alien planet. Ah, uh, like, so Mars... Even though it's not outer space, it's an alien planet. It's not Earth. It's non-terrestrial. Astronomy terms, by the way, alien planets. (laughs) But then he he wants to cut out alien planets and spacecraft. If you're not on a planet, an alien planet, then you're in a spacecraft. What's left? Hmm. 
Well, that's what bothers me about Mos Eisley. <laughs> I went to Legoland with my kid this week, and there's this great area that's mini Star Wars Legoland. And uh, one of the areas is the uh, cantina in Mos Eisley. And some little kid sidled up to me, and he's like, oh, look at the alien band. I'm like, are they – they're not an alien band. They're on Mo- – They are to him. They're Lego. Dingus, what planet is Lego Legoland? Planet Lego, and it's made out of Legos, the whole planet. I'm kind of against that Legoland, though, because it seems like Legos used to be about making shit and making up your own thing, and now it's just like – Don't get us started, Kelly. All right, all right. That's not good. (laughs) Yeah. I thought you liked right. so. So Paul uh, Weimar uh, says three favorite outer space habitats. Number three, the space station in two thousand one. I was going to choose the monolith, but Discovery. I decided not to choose the monolith because that's not a habitat. I'm sorry. Wait, that, did he really write that? Thing? No, he didn't. I'm so. sorry. I apologize. I know. What, what Paul right. Weimar actually said was comes complete with Howard Johnson's. In case you want to eat your space food in Mid American comfort. Doesn't the uh, isn't it actually like a TWA the shuttle? Like, doesn't it have a uh, logo? What is it, Kelly? One? It's Pan Am, which is out of business. Pan Am, right, right. It's Pan Am, That's and awesome. isn't um, Silent Running an airline too? Uh, isn't it like American Airlines or something? Aren't all those ships in Silent Running? I thought there's no Earth though, or Earth is devoid. No, of but it. There, there's a fleet of those ships carrying the uh, the domes. All right, Vegas, so I think Vegas is thinking of Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. <laughs> Most nicely. Number two, the space station around the planet Solaris in Solaris. Solaris. I was hoping he'd pick that because I do like the production. Or I was hoping someone would pick that. I do like the production design that Soderbergh has going there. Yeah. Unless he's talking about the Russian movie, in which case I have no idea what it looks like. Comes complete with tangible ghosts of people you've lost. So I don't know which one he's talking about. He doesn't give it a year, so it turns into Earth too if you fall into the planet, right? I don't think I watched that part. I fell asleep during that movie. <laughs> I think I, I think that's you might have actually not been asleep, but just thought you were asleep while. Yeah, you it's that kind of movie, and the planet looks like a dream wave kind of. It's like a cotton candy pillow, bro. <laughs> well, I mean, you're science. gonna talk that way. You're gonna talk that way, and you're gonna make fun of the way I pronounce Wally. Yes. Okay. Just check. <laughs> Correct. It's a twofer. All right, carry on, Diggs. <laughs> Free of charge. You're welcome. Number one, the Death Star, Star Wars. Wait, I kind of like this one. Comes complete with an army of stormtroopers, squadron of TIE fighters, T-I-E fighters. And way more than a squadron, by the way. And enough firepower to blow up a planet. Dude... I like this pick because it's like it means there's probably got there's you got there has to be like a cafeteria on it where they all eat. Of course, that's a great yeah. little joke. That's a it's an Eddie Izzard joke. It is. Yeah, the cafeteria at Star Wars uh, at the Death Star. It's a great joke because because Darth Vader picks up a tray and it's still wet and he's angry. <laughs> I remember that. That's awesome, Dingus. <laughs> oh, I didn't know about it. I promise. It sounds funny. Wet tray. That's like Kelly one. You and Eddie Izzard being on the same wavelength. Why am I not surprised? He does Star Wars jokes. So oh please, he's British. <laughs> what is it, Lieutenant Sebastian? Yeah, Star Wars. All the the Empire's British. Kelly Wand. Of course, he does Star Wars jokes. Uh, that's true. Carrie Fisher's fighting the Revolutionary War over. Huh. Stop talking, Wand. All right. Continue reading the bucket letters. Our next uh, reader 
submission is from Philip Torda. Number three, the pirate ship in Ice Pirates. Stuart uh, Louisville, 1984. Yeah. I can't remember it, too. It's, it's like the a habitat disease. for humans, dogs, robots, donkeys, Ron Perlman, and space herpes. Uh, that's a good pick. I like that movie. It's very dated, but fascinatingly dated. There's like cocaine jokes, and there's racist humor. We should watch it. And space herpes. Yeah. Well, that's more... That's a constellation. <laughs> Number two. Killer Clowns, Big sp- big Top Spaceship, and Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Wow. Steven that Shiro, is a good 1988. Uh, Have you guys seen that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, that is a good one. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Kelly? Why you've seen that, haven't you? I like the... I think so, but I like that you said, of course, in that. Like, <laughs> Killer Clowns out of space, please. Uh, I, I know you're probably laughing at the title, but it's kind of a classic horror movie. Uh, the clowns are really creepy. It's not played for laughs. I mean, it, it is a, a comedy, but there, there's really there's gore in it. Uh, it no, that's I think that's kind of a horror classic. It's the kind of movie they don't make anymore. Definitely, yep. Yeah. yep. Uh, so he says, the fun for the whole family and full of more than enough cotton candy cocoon people to feed a whole circus. All with K's. And number one, the Solaris station in Solaris, Andrei uh. Tarkovsky, 1972. Uh. I love the design of the station and how it's a habitat for the physical manifestation of the various crew members' regrets. Is it like the one in the other one? Or is it more Russian-y? I, I, I don't think any of us has ever seen it. Yeah. Why? Come on, they can't have had good sci-fi movies back in 72. That's true. Please. Runner up, the pirate ship cyborg Charles Dance captains in Space Truckers. <laughs> directed by Stuart Gordon in 1996. Oh, wow. Is uh, Dennis Hopper in that? Who else is in that? I might have even seen that. Yeah, I, f- I remember you talking about it on the podcast. Vaguely. Space Truckers? Wow. Or getting it mixed up with another one that Dennis Hopper's in. Because I kind of remember, I think that's before 97. There's two different ones where they drive. It's like a, it's like a convoy smoking the bandit kind of movie with truckers in space. It sounds awesome. If I haven't seen it, I should. Space Western. Great. Now that song's going to be running through my head all night. Space truckers? No, convoy. Man, how does that what go? What lyrics? We're a convoy trucking across the USA. Is that the lyric? No, it's just a convoy, and now it's going to be running. Beep, beep. And then they honk the horn, huh? Uh, The truck horn, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to purge it of your memory, not add to it. I appreciate that. Tom Faint's disinterest. (laughs) (laughs) Next is Aaron the Great. Uh, hopefully I'm not too late for the 3x3, three three, but I ended up seeing Kick-Ass 2 tonight instead of whatever limited movie that the podcast saw. That's right. <laughs> Smart. Jokes on him. We saw a different thing he didn't see. <laughs> Maybe whatever that opens wide, I can listen to the first half of this one. Number three, Event Horizon. It ah. became a habitat for Hell and Sam Neill. Uh, that's a good one. Number two, Moon. Since it's on the moon, it's in space. I love Gertie and the minimalist hamster environment that has created the relationship between Sam Rockwell, his AI helper, and the very little entertainment he's had for the years of his contacts. And number one, The Fountain. 
Ah, good one. I like it. It's a good choice. That's the best one, in my opinion, <laughs> I've heard tonight from anyone. The tree Damn. in space during the future parts. Not only is it where the wolverine lives, but he has an intimate relationship with the foliage in his snow globe vessel. It's also like an, an analogy or something, which makes me wish I was smart enough to read this into that. No interrupts this week, but at the end of Kick-Ass 2... Two twenty-something guys got up and said verbatim, "Let's hit a bucks and talk about how fucking sexy that was." To which his friend said, "It was so right on like so many levels." <laughs> Where does Aaron the Great live? Because I never want to go there. <laughs> Let's hit a bucks and talk about how fucking sexy that was. Let's hit a bucks. I hope that's what people say whenever they listen to the podcast. That is. Let's hit a bucks. Um, uh, I've got the, someone brought up the fountain though because yeah that one needs to be made. do they do they go in silence until they get to the bucks and then they go alright so anyway that's what we 15 year old girl alright yeah we see a movie and then we go in hit silence the until we hit this podcast which is our bucks uh, so he says I want to hear what Kelly One has to say about this thanks for the podcast Aaron I think your best pick is your best pick <laughs> alright Finally, we have Fire QT3. My three favorite space habitats are the International Space Station, Skylab, and the Apollo Lunar Module. (laughs) My three favorite space habitats in movies are... Number three, Serenity. A habitable spaceship designed for long missions as a habitat. I don't know about the movie It's a Freestanding World because I saw it after watching the Firefly season. But I love the sense of place that their ship had. I feel like I'd know my way around if I happened upon that spaceship. So, Serenity. Number two, Kelly, Europa Report. Ah, it's it a good take, one. It takes eight months for a two-ton payload, e.g. Mars Science Laboratory slash Curiosity, to travel to Mars. So any spacecraft carrying an entire crew to one of Jupiter's moons must be really well designed for extended life in space. One of the touches that I love in this movie is that part of the spaceship has gravity and the rest doesn't. That makes the living quarters most habitable and friendly to the human body, which can't survive in microgravity without experiencing negative effects. Yeah, it's a good one because there's only like two sets for the whole movie too, and that's probably how it would be because they got all those Fritos uh, taped behind the bulkheads in that one part. <laughs> Dingus hasn't seen it yet, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> Number one, the fountain. A nebula-going bubble is basically a self-contained space habitat by definition. Just like there is no tree that can surpass the fountain's tree, there is no space habitat that can surpass the fountain's space habitat. Your loyal listener, Fire. I will point out that even in the fountain thing, you can't have sex with Valerie Perone. But you got your wife in tree form. And she's a tree, yeah. That's, all right, but let me know how that works out for you, Kelly Wand. Well, but you got you Jack. I've done trees, but I wouldn't marry them. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> You got Hugh Jackman. You could do this. Uh, I like the fountain as a choice, though, because it was. I think that's the only one where, because all the other ones are sort of like, look how shitty it would be in space. Look how hard it would be for humans to get there. Hello, Wally. Like, the oxygen. I, I love the fountain, but I, I don't see any sort of like sustainable way to live there. 
No, no, but we've advanced to a point where we can just make bubbles that go up and shit, do things. Like, probably when he's uploaded his consciousness, accelerando style, into, like, a little, like, chip that's sphere-shaped. Yeah. Kelly Wan, what's the, who's the sci-fi author who wrote, Werner Vinge, I think, who wrote about these bubbles where time is frozen inside the bubble? And the way they did space travel is they would put one of these bubbles around you, and they would set off nuclear explosions behind it. Because everything, the bubble's completely impervious to time, to any damage. Uh, so they, they put the bubble around you, and it's temporary, like it eventually pop. And they fire off nuclear blasts behind the bubble to catapult it through space. Isn't that a Werner Vinge thing? Do you not know what I'm talking about? Uh, I've read that one. Okay, I've read other stuff by him. That sounds good though, except it's like that's if you can make the bubble, can't you improve on the nuclear explosions part? <laughs> well, they just need something. They need energy behind it, and it's just a quick and easy way. Just do a nuclear explosion behind. And when it. you run out, like you, that, you can't keep blowing them up. Is that just how it jet jets around the universe? Yeah, it's still. Yeah. Oh, okay, all right. and it's impervious to all the passage of time. You know, you can go. I think even the the. I wish I could remember what it's called, but one of the the concepts is that people basically put themselves in those and jet around the universe well beyond the lifespan of humanity and even our sun uh, because you just set the bubble for how long it's going to go, and people are kind of uh, astronomical tourists uh, just moving around through the lifespan of the universe. But that's not really a habitat so much as like you're on ice. Oh, right. So uh, are there... Trail. Uh, no, no, Kelly. No. <laughs> it's it's a whole concept. Uh, other runners up. What do you guys got? <laughs> a concept, eh? Uh, silent running was my only runner up. I don't know. Now that you mentioned books, though, I'm thinking of a lot of cool ones in books that I wouldn't mind. I'd like to see visualized in movies that we haven't seen yet. Wasn't there some science fiction book where? They found somebody found like this hive-like space station, and you could get in little ships, but you didn't know where they were going or how long they would go for. So you would volunteer to just try one of them out, and you might be in there for for hundreds of years and die of starvation, or you might jet out to some nearby nebula and then come back. So it's chat roulette, but on like a galactic. <laughs> Very good, Kelly. One <laughs> oh exactly. Do you not know what I'm talking about, though? No, I want to. It's a book. Yeah, it's a book where they find like an alien space station, and they need volunteers to test out where the little capsules go. Um, and you're closed up in this closed quarters with someone. You don't know how long it's going to be for. You don't know where you're going. Uh, I forget. I want to. Maybe was it Heinland? Because I seem to recall it had all this dippy stuff about free love and getting stoned in it. <laughs> I think it was from that era. That's um, definitely him. Weirdly. Yeah, I, I don't remember. Anyway, yeah, books we could go forever. So, any other movie? Right? Oh yeah, habitats. Uh, I feel like I'm gonna miss. I feel like there's one I'm forgetting that's really good, and I'm just too stupid to remember it. And Red Planet's not good, right? Yeah, yeah Mission to Mars. Yeah, the best thing about Red Planet is that Amy killer robot thing. <laughs> not a habitat. Yeah. As opposed to Amy, the chimp from Congo. Is that the name of a chimp in Congo? I'm not telling you. <laughs> oh, I should see it. It had, I believe it does have Laura Linney shooting laser guns at apes, doesn't it? That yeah. makes me want to see it. Yeah. Bruce Willis is a scream king in it. Bruce Willis is in Congo. Oh, no, Bruce Campbell. I got oh. mixed up. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Which one's in red? John yeah. Malkovich. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> uh, all right. So then that leaves us next week's three by three. Kelly Wan, what do you have for us for next week's three by three? All right. Tell me if we did this one already. Oh no, we're not. Oh, good. Oh god, here we go. 
Three best maps. Yeah, we did that one. We definitely we did. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, we did that last week. <sighs> Three best computers. <laughs> oh, we did that one. We definitely yep. did that one. We did that this week. This was this week's topic. <laughs> so, three best maps. What does that mean? All right. Maps? Yeah. Three I can go maps. with that. I, I can think yeah. of Kelly's. He's come up with worse. Uh, do you need to take anything off the table? No, because the I map think it's table. Be so hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Three <laughs> best maps. Uh, you know, in a compass is not a map. of your <laughs> Uh, there's a Bane joke in, in We're the Millers, by the way. Just yeah, really oh. yeah, makes a Bane joke. Ooh. He just does it too. Like that's the joke too, is he just does the voice, but it's there's no. How do you know? You've seen We're the Millers, haven't you? No, the trailer's like in ten minutes long. Oh, oh that's true. Yeah. All I remember from the trailer is this trip scene. Uh, so, all right, so let's see. Uh, three best maps. If you have picks for that. Send them to 3 by 3 at quarter to 3com That's the number 3, the letter X, the number 3, at, and you spell out quarter to 3com Please follow us on Twitter. You'll occasionally find little tidbits about movies there. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at the letter Q, the letter T, the number 3. We have a Facebook page. Uh, we love it when you like us, and we especially love it when you give us ratings on iTunes. Uh, next week... We are going to see, I know so little about this, someone even emailed me, and, and I'm, I, Dingus and I are both notoriously shy, we will not watch trailers, we love not knowing anything about movies. Someone actually emailed me, and I think he was a listener to the podcast, and said, please don't hear anything about this movie before you go, which just made me really excited. So we're going to see a movie uh, by a kid from Alabama named Adam Wingard, who did a horror movie called A Horrible Way to Die that I've talked about. He was instrumental in uh, VHS horror anthology and the slightly less impressive VHS 2. Um, VHS 2, have you seen it, Kelly Wand? No, but the first one's... Only the first two are good, I thought, and then they kind of drops off. Uh, yeah, but as a whole, I liked VHS. There's nothing. One of the segments in VH2 was non-wretched. The rest of them were all terrible, and even the non-wretched one was really disappointing. Uh, so VHS2 is is terrible. But at any rate, Adam Wingard's next movie, which has, I think, been in the can, so to speak, forever, uh, and is finally getting a release, is called Your Next. Uh, it has... It's it's not a super limited release. I don't know how many cities it's in. Actually, I think it'll even be up on video on demand simultaneously with a theatrical release. Um, and I saw a trailer for it before – I didn't see it, but a trailer came on for it before We're the Millers, which actually gives me a little – it makes me a little concerned. Why are they putting uh, a trailer for yeah. that? Oh, you know what? I also saw a trailer, by the way, for uh, Insidious 2, but mm. it wasn't one of those trailers. It was one of those stupid things where they have a Ugh. screening, and they talk to the people at the screening, and they show footage of mm. night vision of the people at the screening. Everybody at the screening is like like under 20. It's like these teenagers, uh, and they furthermore did a gimmick. And the, this little trailer is all about this gimmick where they put a heart rate monitor on everybody's finger. <laughs> And they then claim. It sounds annoying. It sounds terrible, and but they then yeah. claim that uh, it it makes your heart rate faster yeah, than how many the other horror. They, if the whole audience had died, I'd go see the movie. Yeah, exactly. Okay, right. nobody eat popcorn during the movie. We're going to put something on your finger. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, but anyway, uh, so your next opens on uh, next week. So see it. Uh, we will be seeing it. We'll be doing this podcast on it, and then afterwards we will talk about uh, maps in movies. Join us for that. I am Tom Chick. I've been here this week with Christian Molarski. 
It's Christian Murawski. It's totally exactly what I said. And uh, Kelly Wand. Sam Moonrockwell. Huh. La, la, la. <laughs> Did you see the trailer for that movie about the Jane Austen groupie? Who goes oh, God, yeah, that looks Jesus. terrible. Oh, God. What's up with that? Poor Carrie Russell. And Jennifer, I love Jennifer Coolidge, though. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. It looks... Those are what previews you see before the Woody Allen movie. It all takes place when her brain explodes in Mission Impossible. (laughs) I like Tigas' interpretation. (laughs) Oh, that's going on next to If it was Austin Land by Spike Jones, that would be what we'd get. (laughs) Mission Impossible. Well, Dangus, I guess I'm an idiot. Nobody wants to hear these stupid Polish jokes. Who said that? That's not in the movie. Damn it! What's he coming up with this shit from? It's Polish, isn't it? They totally said that in the movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah.